0: Oh, some people are sitting there going, I can't believe I came to a church singing the happy song. (laughs) Just wait to the end of the sermon and you'll understand why. Okay, so over the past few years, I've said so many times that God is more concerned with your holiness than he is your happiness. Right. I've said that and I hold to that statement when it's in the proper context Okay, I'll keep saying it as long as it's in the proper context. I think it's, I think it's appropriate that we push back on our culture's definition of the word happy. They tell us that happiness comes from accumulating wealth, materialism right or an uh, an open an open sexual environment or putting the focus on yourself or power or or fame or all these types of things the bible tells us that happiness isn't defined the way our culture defines happiness when the bible talks about happiness when the bible mentions happiness it's speaking of something that is that is self-contained okay it's talking about something that is self-contained like joy or peace do you know the word happy and joy are interchangeable in most of scripture When you hear the word joy, happiness and joy are are interchangeable in a lot of the scriptures that we read. Biblical happiness is not dependent on our circumstances. Because before the service started, I guarantee if I asked, what's the difference between happiness and joy? You'd say, well, happiness is external and joy is internal. can't be taken from you. It's not dependent on circumstances. Biblical happiness is not dependent on circumstances either. Another reason we, we, oh, I, I can tell you this, and I think a lot of people push back on this, uh, this word happiness, is this Christian therapeutic definition of faith. A Christian therapeutic de- definition of faith. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Uh, let me try to explain. In this psychological view, the God of love, Is a God of love because he offers us internal relief from all of our problems. Right? That's what God, that's what God does. That's what God's there for. God exists. God God exists to fill us with a sense of psychological completeness. That's why God truly, really exists, to fix our feelings of, of emptiness or dissatisfaction and give us a um a a proper path or a sense of direction you know what he is he's a he's a he's a cosmic counselor that's what god is god is a cosmic counselor and his primary objective his primary responsibility is to satisfy my emotional voids that's why god exists His primary reason for existence is to satisfy Jeff Greer's emotional voids. This concept of God that we have consumes so much of our thinking as Christians and consumes so, so, so much of our prayer life. And when God doesn't do what we expect Him to do, when He doesn't come through and and, and do what we're asking or expecting Him to do, we get angry. I had expectations that God was going to fill this void and do this and do that and I prayed and I did this and that's what God exists, right? To make sure that I, and when we, He doesn't do what we expect Him to do, we get angry or at least we are spiritually confused. What is wrong? I thought I rubbed the lamp. What, I don't understand this. The problem is, is that we're searching for happiness down the wrong path. We are searching for happiness down the wrong path. Now it is absolutely true that our God has the power to transform our lives, physically, emotionally, spiritually. No question about it. Has the power to transform our lives, but, 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 but this simplistic theological view of God's love creates a knee-jerk reaction, okay, from pastors and theologians when they hear the word happy. That's what's happened over the years. When a pastor or a theologian or someone spiritually mature hears the word happy, they, they kind of, they've, they've knee-jerk reacted, pushed back on that word and said, well, that word means, that's just an external. And they're going by the cultural definition of happiness. And somehow, here's the thing that's kind of ticked me off, okay? We've given up the word. We've given the world that word, happy. That's not their word, it's God's word. God is God gave us that word. Joy, peace, contentment, happiness, they're all there. They're all biblical. And we've turned it over because it's knee-jerk reaction because of the way people portray it or define it. We've kind of given it away. And And honestly, I don't think we should. We need to confront... And we need to reject this idea that God is some kind of cosmic genie and he's there who's there to meet all of my felt needs. That's why he truly exists. His His existence, his true existence is to grant my next command, my next request, right? Rub it, come out, and you grant my next request, God. We have to. We have to push back. We have to reject that concept of God as a cosmic genie. God does not. Ex- it doesn't exist to be used by us. God, ex- we, he, we exist to worship Him. He does not exist. To be used by us as a cosmic genie. We exist to worship Him. To glorify Him. That's why we exist. God is totally pure and, and perfect within Himself. And our responsibility is to follow His commands, not the other way around. God does not exist to follow our commands. We exist to follow God's commands. And that's where we get confused. That's where the world gets confused. So when people talk about making a huge decision, it happens to me Often people are talking about making a huge life decision, their family and their whatever the case may be. And they say, well, I believe that God wants me to be happy. That happens all the time. I, you know, that, that's the theology. God wants me to be happy, defined as I just defined it by the world. God wants me to feel. God wants me to be happy. You're partly right, if the decision you're about to make aligns with the word of God. If it does not, then God is not in a position where He's saying, "I just my my, my main goal in life is that you're happy." Because if, if God gave you what you wanted, the problem is, if God even gave you what you were asking for, you would not be happy. Even from the world's definition of happy, you're not going to be. It's a trap. So when we make this... We get this idea in our heads that... You know, I'm making this huge life decision... And my foundation is... Of my decision is... God... I believe God wants me to be happy. You're right... If your decision is going to align with the word of God. But if it does not... Then take that off the table. Because of that theological pushback, the word happy has been pretty much shoved out of our spiritual vocabulary. I, I'll be honest with you. I have to be honest. And you, if you've heard me before, you know I have in a lot of cases. You know what I mean? I'll use the word joy. I'll use the word peace. I'll use the word contentment. But not very often I'll we'll use the word happy because of the connotation it has in culture. We've kind of pushed it out of our vocabulary. And what I'm saying is that's a mistake, guys. That, that's that's a mistake. A mistake that I plan on remedying in my own life. I don't like to give anything to the enemy that doesn't belong to the enemy. Okay? God is the one who came up with happiness and joy and peace and contentment. And I'm not giving away anything that doesn't belong to the enemy. So this morning, I want to put these two concepts because we're in a series called Different, okay? Talking about being set apart for God. Talking about being holy. What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be set apart for God? And this morning I want to take these two concepts, happiness and holiness, and I want to put them in their proper context so that we can vo- avoid the unnecessary separation, unnecessary separation between the two. We, we unnecessarily separate happiness and holiness, So I want to put them in their proper biblical context. The question is, can we, okay, be both biblically happy and holy? Can I be happy, happy, the way it's defined biblically, and holy? Um, What I'm asking is, how can we be happily holy? All right, that's our question this morning. How can you and I become happily holy? Holy, now I, I, I've, I have this. You know, pastors get up and say, I, I, "I'm only giving you a fraction of what I've studied," or you know, and it kills me. Um, this is one of those times. All right, so it's so much reading and so much studying and so much digging. Um, and one one commentator wrote this: The soul's true happiness is no incidental byproduct of holiness. True happiness. Is true holiness. Write that down. If you got a pen in your back ear with a bulletin, whatever. True happiness is true holiness. That's what we've got to let that sink in. And I would totally agree. In his book, The Crown and Glory of Christianity, or the Holiness, The Only Way to Happiness, Thomas Brooks wrote this. Holiness differs nothing from happiness but in name. Holiness is happiness. Listen to how he says this. It's beautiful. Holiness is happiness in the bud, and happiness is holiness at the full. Happiness is nothing but the quintessence of holiness. All of a sudden, your brain starts to go, wait a second. I've never really heard this before. I've never put these two things together before. It gets better, okay? It, it, it just gets better. I, I love the way, I love the way Thomas Brooks writes. He later writes this An absolute fullness of holiness will make an absolute fullness of happiness. When our holiness is perfect, listen to what he says, when our holiness is perfect, our happiness shall be perfect. And if This were attainable on earth, there would be but little reason for men to long to be in heaven. I mean, drop the mic on that one. If you could pull, he's saying if you could pull this off, if you could, if you could pull this off, that happiness and holiness—that's what they're saying. There's no separation here. If you're holy, you will be happy. True happiness in Christ is holiness. And then Matthew Henry, he said, hey, the same thought. He said, those only are happy, truly happy, that are holy, truly holy. It gives me goosebumps to start thinking about this. We, the, people, the whole world is like, you know, seeking happiness. Everybody wants to be happy. And there, there it is. There it is. Simple as that. These guys, these men understood the theological truth, this theological truth so well. What they were saying was happiness is a, happiness is a part of holiness. A holy person will be a happy person. If you are a holy person, by definition, by biblical definition, you will be a happy person. You cannot separate happiness from holiness in God or holiness from happiness in God. You can't separate the two. They're locked. They're linked together. Now, the book of Psalms, okay, it it understands this concept perfectly, all right? The book of Psalms understands it perfectly. The Psalms often speak of those who are, what, blessed, right? We hear it all the time, blessed are they. Talks about blessed. But that word blessed in most cases in the Psalms means happy. That's what it means, It means, it means the word happy. According to scripture, the truly happy will be the truly holy. In, in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, listen to this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. More exactly, Happy is the one. It could it could it could read, it should read, happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Happy is the one. The word ash ashri, okay, is used here. The Hebrew word ashri is used here in in Psalm chapter one verses one and two. This is really key to our study, so focus in what I'm saying. Ashri is, is used throughout the Psalms and throughout the Proverbs to describe the happy state of those who are living wisely according to God's design. Living wisely. Those people who are living wisely according to God's design. Walking, here it is, walking in obedience to God, okay, means you're walking on the path that leads to Happiness. Walking, let me say it again, walking in obedience to God, okay, means that you are walking on the path to happiness. Obedience to God and happiness connected there. That is so, we've gotta, we've gotta, we've gotta grasp these concepts. Psalm 119, I'm gonna keep going with the Psalm. Psalm 119, 1 and 2. Blessed or happy are those uh, are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed or happy are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their hearts. Remember that. Seek him with all of their hearts. Where else did we hear that before? Happy are those who seek God with all of their hearts. Again, blessed here means happy. Psalm one hundred six three. Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Pretty straightforward, right? You will be happy. Is This is what it's saying. You will be happy. I'm going to use that word over and over. Happy. Okay. If you are constantly trying to do what's right. If your desire in this life is to look at your situation, whatever situation you find yourself in and say, I need to do what's right. I need to do what God would call me to do. I need to do what the word of God says I should do. not with, Not this whole finagling idea of God just wants me to be happy. You know what that means? It means. My, I'm going to define what will make me happy. And I know that's what God wants for me. And that's not true. As a pastor, I don't need to be God. As a pastor, after all these years of ministry, you know what I found? People, okay, make decisions and they just keep they keep... They keep sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing into their lives the wrong thing. And then things go wrong and they're wondering, God, how can you do this to me? He didn't. You reap what you sow. You sowed and sowed and sowed and you say, well, God wants me to be happy. Yes, he does. That's why he doesn't want you to make that decision that you think is going to make you happy to, by the, determined by the definition of the world's definition of happy or what's in our own hearts. Honestly, we can't even trust our own hearts most of the time. So we got to be real careful with this whole concept. Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right You'll be happy if you're always trying to do what is right. Veer off that path and you'll end up in a ditch, very unhappy. But I thought that if I, I, this guy, I was with this guy or this girl, and I figured if I, well, this would make me happy and this is going to make me happy. And if I do this or if I had this or I had just had more of that, just had, this is all going to make, it's like Solomon. Think about it. Think about it. Psalm 40 in verse 4 says, Blessed or happy is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Psalm 112 one says, Praise the Lord, blessed or the word, okay, Ashri again, happy are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His command. So, let's just boil this down. I'll give you an equation. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength equals happiness. That's what it's saying. That's what we just read. What they said, to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You do that and you will be happy. You veer off that path. You will not be happy. By anyone's definition of the word. That's what I'm saying. You won't be happy at all. The only way to be truly happy is to follow after God's command. Praise the Lord. Blessed or happy are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. But not only are happiness and holiness, blessedness, if you will, joined in the Psalms. They are linked together, okay, in the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 12. They're linked together there as well. In Matthew 5, Jesus begins the, this, the, this, this sentence, okay, um, with the words, um, Blessed are. He begins... Sentences with two words, blessed are eight different times in the Beatitudes. Blessed are. I wonder, you know what, I wonder what word he's actually using there. The Greek word for blessed makeros, like Ashri, simply means happy. When he says blessed are those, he it's it the, the word means happy. In the Beatitudes. So in Matthew, the Beatitudes could read, Blessed or happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10. Blessed or happy. Both Ashery and Macaros make it clear that that true... Honestly, true biblical happiness, true happiness comes through obedience to the word of God, both the Greek and the Hebrew. They mean the same thing. True happiness comes through obedience to the word of God. Do you sit here this morning and think, if you think to yourself, I want to be happy. And honestly, that's okay. You, you I I want, I want you to be happy. God wants you to be happy. True happiness, okay, is found. Old New Testament, that word clearly lays out. Ashri Makaros, okay, both of them mean happiness. You find happiness by being obedient to the word of God. There, It just kind of laid out for us. Now, because of what I've stated earlier... Um, about the cultural definition of happiness, we we honestly, even in this ser- as I'm giving this sermon, it's it's kind of grating on some people. I don't mean you're like hey, he's totally wrong. It's just so we we shrink back from this idea. We shrink back from this whole idea that that uh, you know the idea of replacing the word bless with the word happy. It says right there, it's blessed. Go look it up. What does it mean? It means happy. 'Cause blessed in our Christian culture has taken on such a more significant, more spiritually dynamic um meaning than the word happy. And I, I think honestly, I think that's I think that's a shame. I really do. I think it's a shame. And there's reasons there's reasons why we're more comfortable again with the word blessed instead of the word happy. There's reasons for that. You think about it. Um why if as we're as we're kind of processing through this, why would we kind of emotionally reject the word happy from this context in Matthew chapter five? I mean I I'll be honest with you, years ago someone wrote a book that'd be happy attitudes and I don't I didn't appreciate the whole the whole theology of the book, but um I even reacted to the word happy being used in that context until I learned more. But why would we push back on that? I think one of the reasons we push back on that, if we're really honest, is that we're not really sure that Jesus cares about our, our happiness here on earth. You know, we're not really sure that, that Jesus is actually too concerned, if you will, about our happiness. You know, God, God... Is concerned, he's not really concerned about our happiness here on earth because he's only concerned about heaven, right? God's only concerned about heaven. So he's not too concerned whether you're, you, you, me, or anybody's happy here on earth. He's only concerned about heaven because when we get to heaven, that's eternal. We're all going to be happy. So who cares what happens here on earth because it's kind of miserable. That's not what these verses are teaching. I mean, it's not what they're teaching. Jesus is talking about happiness in the here and now. He's talking about being happy now. Something that this world, okay, something this world so desperately desires and has eluded so many people. It eludes everyone because they, they, their, their goal in life is to be happy and, it, and they, it's elusive, right? The, whether you're the richest person or you make it to the top, what do they say when they get to the top? There's nothing there. I mean, how many people do you know who have gotten to the top, the top of their field and, and are billionaires? And what they say when they're asked, well, what would you teach the next generation? When you get to the top, there's nothing there. Because they have this solemn, they have Solomon's attitude toward this whole idea of happiness, chasing after sexual pleasure or chasing after materialism or wealth. Solomon was like, I'm going to try, I'm going to go and I'm going to try every pleasure that this world has to offer and see what happens. And what happened? His life tanked. He found no pleasure in it. He found he was not happy. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes for goodness sake and it was all about meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Everything outside of a personal relationship with God and holiness is completely and utterly meaningless. That's where he came to. We talked about Daniel. Remember we talked about Daniel? Daniel on the other hand, what did Daniel do? Regardless if Daniel was in Israel or they took him to Babylon, Daniel held on to his holiness. Daniel held on to his character. He was happy. Daniel was happy, he was joyful, he was peaceful, he was content. He had it all because it's all internal, not based upon his circumstances. Daniel found true happiness because he held on to who he was in God, who he was. He was a man of character. So the question is, you've got to ask yourself, am I a Solomon or am I a Daniel? Where am I looking for my happiness? In the next guy, in the next woman, in the next job, in the next, you know, if I, ha- if you just had a little more, if you just, if your portfolio was with, then you'd be content, then you'd feel, where is it? Honestly, where is, where are you searching for happiness? We all have to raise our hand and ask that question. Jeff, where are you searching for happiness? Because if it's outside of God, holiness and happiness, okay? If it's outside of God, you're going to end up with nothing. I want you to think about it. The things that Jesus promises us in His Word are things that are going to make honestly almost anyone truly happy. We we think Jesus is saying that. I honestly believe that. We think Jesus is saying that um, that happiness only comes after we've gone we've persevered through some horrible um, process. You know, happiness will come after you know, Jesus, that's all that's what he cares about. Happiness is going to come after we've persevered through some horrible process. And if we and if we if we do, if we persevere through that horrible process where there's no happiness involved whatsoever, our destination will be worth it. So just suck it up, all you people. Right? Deal with it. This world, there, there's no happiness from now heaven, okay? Glorified body, then you'll get it. And it's all going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth the suffering and the miserable process you've been through here. And that's all there is to it. And just hang on because it'll all be worth it. He's saying, okay, that have, there, there, Jesus is teaching us that there can be happiness through the process. Hear what I'm saying? He's not saying it's just the destination. Are you going to be happy at the destination? You certainly are. Okay, don't get me wrong, you certainly are. But Jesus is teaching, okay, the Bible is teaching that we can find happiness through the process. We are happily holy. Think about this. You were happily holy when you were justified, right? What does it mean justified? Just as if I'd never sinned. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ. When you gave your life to Christ, you were happy. You had happiness in your life because you felt when you gave your life to Christ, you were on your knees or you went forward or you were sitting in your chair. Whatever it was where someone shared the gospel with you and you gave your life to Christ, you were happy. You felt a sense. Why? Because you felt a sense of hope. Okay, in the present in your present circumstances and for the future it wasn't just that you were going to heaven you felt hope in the now in the path to the future when you were justified you you were happily holy You were happily holy, but the journey through the process of sanctification, in that journey through the process of sanctification, Satan came along and he deceives us into thinking that happiness can only be found on some distant, you can see it in the distance, you can just make it out, that mountaintop, that it can only be found uh, as you climb this mountain, and that mountain, honestly, let's be honest, that mountain is so far off, you can never get there, and even if you can make it to the base of the mountain, it's so high and so steep, you can never climb it. And so, when we get justified and we, we give our lives to Christ, we're like, yes, we have hope for the present. We have hope for the future. And then all of a sudden, we go through this process of sanctification, an ongoing process, and Satan deceives us in thinking, yeah, 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 now, now you're really into it. Now, now you're going to see the reality. The only time you're ever going to be happy after this, guys, hang on to your boots. See that mountain way over there, how far it is? You're never going to reach it. But when you get to the top of it, maybe at some point you'll be happy when you die and get a glorified body. That is not true. That is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 would beg to differ. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His namesake. Even though I walk the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Listen to the words. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever let me go back surely goodness and love will follow me all the days are you breathing right now someone raise your hand if you're breathing okay surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life this day this sunday And then I will dwell in the house. It's hope for the present, for every single day that we live on this earth, and we breathe. And then we will spend eternity with Him, and be even happier, if you will. That's right, Amen. See, the truth is, the truth is, happiness and blessedness. Hear me, hear me out, guys. This is so important. This is so theologically deep. We can grasp this. We can get there. Okay. Holy, happiness, blessedness, is also found in the valleys. It's also found in the journey. It's not just the mountain way over there that I'm never going to get to. Maybe when I'm 98 years old, I'll get to the base and probably won't get up. But, but then I'm going to die anyway, so I'm going to be in heaven. And I'm, That's not it. Goodness. And let me ask you a question. It, seriously, think about this. Everybody, wake up. If you fell asleep, wake up, Okay. Here, hear me out, okay? If goodness, if goodness, we locked in? If goodness and love followed you all the days of your life, would you be happy? If goodness and love followed you all the days of your life, would you be happy? Answer. Answer. Yes, okay, right. Yes is the answer. Me too! Isn't that the very definition of happiness? That goodness and love would follow me all the days of my life? Isn't that not the very definition of happiness? See, the, the, the beautiful reality of justification in Christ, where where just as you, you come to Christ and just as if I'd never sinned, right? His blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross, covers me. I am a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. I am a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a person belonging to God. I'm a joint heir of Jesus Christ. When I was justified, think about this, the beauty and reality of justification in Christ. Creates the happy holiness of the psalmist. We have this. It's just a matter of now grasping it. We have it. We have been justified in Christ. Psalm thirty-two, one and two. This is what it ta- This is what it says. Okay. Blessed or happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. That's me. Whose sins are covered? That is me. Right. That's me. Blessed or happy is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against. That's me again. And whose spirit is no deceit. Well, I'm working on that one. Okay. You know, all he gave to me, I've got. But I'm working on other areas of my life. But that is that not it? Blessed, happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose uh, sins are covered. Blessed, happy is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Christians can feel, this is so awesome. Christians can feel the full weight, the full weight of what it means to be happily holy as we live out, as we try to live out and understand our union with Jesus Christ. We are united with Christ. We've been, we have been talking about this. We've been talking about it mo- all over and over and over and over. This is... Oh, right. Deep breath. All right? <laughs> Listen to my words. This is so important. I want you to... Buy, just, I'm not, don't, but just close your eyes just for a second then open back up again as I read this. But I want you to, I want you to hear this. Okay? In Christ, we find... An inseparable physical, emotional, and spiritual connection, okay, listen, between our obedience and our joy, between our sacrifice and our peace, between our pursuit of true holiness and our experience of true happiness. Okay, open your eyes up. Did you get that? We find this physical, emotional, and spiritual connection between our obedience, our obedience to God and our joy. Between our sacrifice and our peace. And between our pursuit of true pursuit of true holiness and our experience of true happiness. Man. See, this is why, this is, this is why dabbling in your faith is such a waste of time. Right? And you wonder, why can't I? I don't understand. Why, do, why doesn't God? Or why can't I? I'm not growing. This is what we have to, this is what we have to go after. There's two books. Um, there's two books that I think would be really, really helpful for you all to read okay together alright one is practicing his presence and one is hind's feet in high places I'm going to leave them up here so you can see them there's some out here at wise words but you can write them down if read those two, this will help you at what we're talking through this is tough stuff I'm not feeding you little candy stuff. Oh, we're all going to be happy when we leave here. We should be happy when we leave here because what I just told you. But if we we need to strive, right? We need sanctification, that ongoing process, seeking after what does it mean to have true union with Jesus Christ? See, our if our goal is to be like Jesus, if our goal is to be like Jesus, we need to take time to step back and reflect. Okay, I want you to step back and reflect. First Timothy one eleven talks about the glory of our blessed God. You don't think about God being blessed, right? You say, ah, oh, blessed God. The glory of our, bless, our the blessed God, our God, our God is holy. Think this through. He's holy. He is perfect and pure and separated from all sin at the same time. Our God is filled with joy. Our God is filled with peace. Our God is contentment. Let me, uh, let me say this. We worship a happy God. Our God is happy. We worship a happy God. So my mind says, Okay, so as I strive to be more holy, sinless, Equals happiness. The less sin in my life. Sinless equals perfect happiness. So the closer I get, be holy as I am holy. He tells us this and we're like, oh my gosh, what a what a drudgery. I can't believe he says can be holy. Now we wait a second. We worship a happy God, a content God, a Joyful God, a peaceful God, a happy God, because He is separated completely from sin, which means if I try to separate myself from as much sin as I can, I will find true happiness. I will be a happier human being. That makes sense? I mean, that's, that's what the Bible's saying. He is completely, God is completely content and self satisfied in His eternal perfection. His happiness is a part of, it's a very part of his glory. God's, his happiness is a part of his glory. Now, I want you to go back to Colossians 3.3. This is this is awesome. Stick these things together. It's so exciting. Pastors get goosebumps over this stuff. All right. All right. So Colossians 3.3. What does it say? You died. You, all of us, we gave our lives to Christ. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So, what do we just talk about? God, right? What do we just talk about? All those things. You died. When you gave your life to Christ, you died, okay? And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. As we seek to understand our union with Christ, we will be happily holy. As we seek out, as we try to understand, as we become closer to what it means to be in union with Jesus Christ, we will become Happily holy. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God who is completely content, completely peaceful, completely joyful, and completely happy. And the closer we come to understanding our union with Jesus Christ, the more we're going to be happily holy. And what God has joined together, what, jo- what God has joined together Let no pastor, let no theologian, let no church member separate. we got to stop doing it. Uh, And I'm talking to myself first. got to take back what belongs to us. You want to be happy? This is the way to be happy. So, my friends, we've come full circle. We've come full circle. Like every generation before us, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. But the choice is not between holiness and happiness. The choice is between two paths to happiness. One evil and one good. The first choice is to seek out happiness... By this definition, by the definition the world has given to happiness. This culture's definition of happiness. It's seeking happiness that way. That's your first choice. With their, with their, with their promise of material comfort and, and, and emotional ease and, and physical or sexual gratification. That turns out to be a bold face just lie from the pit of hell that leaves us empty, that leaves us depressed, okay, and that leaves us bitter. That's what happens. It offers you one thing, that carrot, oh, happiness, I'll give you, happiness is found in that guy, happiness is found in her. If you just had this, you know, that. that's, and it's a lie from the pit of hell that leaves, leaves you empty, depressed, clinically depressed, or, and bitter, that's your. That's one. That's one path. The second path, that second choice, is true happiness that is found in Jesus Christ. It, 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 it's it's simply this. It's finding. It is finding delight in God and His Word. It is you and I finding absolute delight in our God and His Word. It is seeking. Okay. And treasuring, seeking out and treasuring God's glory and God's holiness above and beyond everything else. That's happiness. Seeking and treasuring God's glory and God's holiness above and beyond everything else. Here's the saddest thing of all, the conclusion I came to. So many people, so many people avoid holiness And pursue happiness, not realizing that the two are one. So many people avoid holiness and seek happiness. Pursue happiness, not realizing that the two are actually one. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time we can spend together. God I pray I, I on my knees I actually I beg you God I beg you I beg you that every single one of us will not hear this sermon and think well that was interesting it's not interesting it's a profound truth that each one of us in, the, in our deepest heart desires to be biblically happy to have that joy to have that peace to have that contentment God I pray for every single person in this room you know how much I love them and I just pray dear God that you would help them through reading the reading of your word through through different studies that we go through together Bible studies women's, men's that we would that we would sharpen each other that we would challenge each other To seek your truth. To understand who you are. To worship you. To be holy. To be holy so that we can be happy. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' precious, awesome and holy name and happy name. Amen.